0: Tony is away, as we can see that, but he's uh, asked me to share tonight. And so tonight we're going to be in Psalm 139, verses 1 through 18, about God's love for us sometimes going through this journey, this life. We can forget just how much the Lord loves us. We can begin to doubt his love, his care for us. In the midst of trials, we lose sight of Jesus. I think of the disciples in the midst of the storm. You know, Jesus was in the boat with them, but yet they lost sight of him. And they began to be worried and scared and afraid of what was happening to them in the midst of the storm. And even said, Lord, have you forgotten us? And sometimes we can feel that way going through this life that we are living. You know, I'm drowning here, Lord. I'm perishing here. And maybe you've been there. I know I have been through my life, and I can remember myself a time when I was going through a life-threatening operation. I may have mentioned it before, I was on a ventilator after that, but even after coming out of that, still barely able to move even, and uh, the voice that I heard in the midst of that was the enemy, and we serve a God that's able to overcome that enemy, but the voice I heard was, where is your God now? And I could barely move, laying incapacitated on a you know, hospital bed. You know, this enemy that we face and that comes against us is not just wanting to hurt or harm you, but this enemy, like a roaring lion, he wants to devour you and to destroy you. And that's the enemy that we face. It wasn't long before that I heard another voice, and this voice said, I'm here, Kevin. And it was the voice of Jesus just letting me know that he was here and that he would never leave me and that he'd be with me for the rest of my stay in that hospital. I never heard the voice of the enemy again. And maybe you've experienced deep pain and anguish in this life that you're going through. Maybe you've been overwhelmed. And then Jesus shows up in the midst of that and everything is changed in a moment. And uh, we should know that He's always with us. He promises that He would never abandon us. And He loves us so very much. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, He says that love never fails. Jeremiah the prophet says that God has called us with an everlasting love. And Lord, we want to experience the fullness of Your love tonight in this sanctuary. Many of us are tired. Many of us are broken, and, Lord, we need an outpouring of your love to sustain us. That you, Jesus, would fill this sanctuary with your presence and with your love, that you would change us forever. I think of the disciples who were afraid, hiding in an upper room, and then they come, and the Holy Spirit is passed uh, poured out upon them, and they were changed forever. And so we ask, Lord, that you would come. You would heal broken hearts and broken marriages and broken lives and bring back prodigals and that you would fill us with your love, that you would enable us, Lord, to go into this world with boldness, that we leave this place tonight convinced of your great love for us and for your glory. So let's pray. Father, we do thank you that we're able to gather here freely, Lord, all over the earth. There are people who are struggling, Lord. Think of those that are martyrs, Lord, just passing a page of the Bible to and fro that they hold it so dear, Lord, that we would hold this meeting with you dear, Lord. We want to meet with you and to hear from you, Lord, not the wise and persuasive words of a man, but we want—we need to hear from you, Lord. We need to feel your love, Lord, and through that love that we'd be bold witnesses through everywhere we go, Lord. So help us to have good and honest hearts, Lord, to hear you, Lord. We promise that your sheep hear your voice. You know them and they follow you. We'll be in Psalm 139, verse uh, 1 through 18. Paul writes about God's love for us in Ephesians. He says that he would grant you, that the Father would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length in depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God to know the love of Christ to be convinced of that you know his love is an extravagant love he loves to the very end i think of the scripture in john 13 I always love this scripture, John 13, that says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, listen, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. To the very end he loved them, and so he loves us in that same way. He loves us to the very end. Not when we're just lovely because we you know, have many faults about us. And David is writing about these things in Psalm 139. You know, Lord, you know me. You know everything about me. Psalm 139, verse 1, for the chief musician, a psalm of David. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. In this psalm, we see that God is omniscient. He fully knows all things. He fully knows us and he made us and therefore he knows us. You have searched me and known me, David says, and so God knows everything about us, even the things that we might not want God to know. God still knows them. You know our hearts, Lord, yet you still love us. And your word says that you love us with an everlasting love. And it's a covenant that God has made with us, and he is fixed on that, and then he would always continue our love. Not bound by our performance, Not a human love, but he gives us an agape love. And uh, he brings comfort in our lives. Your everlasting love. And the knowledge that you're fully committed, God, to loving us forever. And Jeremiah writes about that. He says, the Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. And so, Lord, we thank you for that promise and that you're committed to love us forever, Lord, that your love is everlasting. You know us, and you still love us in spite of that. Psalm 139, verse 2, you know my sitting down and my rising up, you understand my thought afar off. And so, God understands the origin of your thoughts even before you think them. You know, me, when I'm resting or working, he's saying, even when I'm standing or when I'm sitting down, you comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. And so the Lord is with us. I think of the verse out of Matthew where it says, and lo, I am with you always. You know, He says, go into the world and make disciples. And lo, I'm with you always. And so Jesus is with us always. Luke writes in Acts, he says, For in him, in Jesus, we live and move and have our being. You comprehend my path, Lord. The word Zara, it means to sift, to measure, and determine. You determine my ways, God. For there's not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Sometimes we think we can hide some things from the Lord. I'm glad he doesn't know this or I'm glad he doesn't know that. You know, I think again of Adam and Eve and when they sinned and how they tried to hide from God and God knew exactly where they were but still says, where are you? And sometimes we can find ourselves in sin and it separates us from God and we want to hide from him. But God sees all things. Hebrews says, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Behold, Lord, you know it all together. And so the fascinating thing to me about his love is that with all my failures, he still loves me. And he's committed to loving me. Remember, he said, this is a love that's everlasting, a love that's forever. And this marriage to Jesus we see is forever. You know, the Bible says that we are now married to another. Verse 5 says, you've hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. I think about Job and how God had hedged him around and Satan comes to speak uh, with God and says, so Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household and around all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands and his possessions and have increased in the land. And I look back on my own life and my family and see how God has faithfully created a hedge about us. And I believe you would be able to say the same thing, how God had protected you from even some things that you wanted to do on your own. He's a faithful father, even guarded me from my own desires. And so the Lord is faithful. And if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he's your Banner, his hand is upon you, your protector, he's your provider, and he's able to keep you. If you've not re- yet presented yourself to the Lord, maybe Jesus is your Savior, but he's not the Lord of your life. That happened in my life for many years. You know, he was the Savior back in the Jesus movement in the early 70s. You know, my brother witnessed to me about the Lord, and I did. Uh, Craved to receive Christ, and I believed that I was soundly saved at that moment. But Jesus was not the Lord of my life. I wanted to live my own life, and I wanted to do my own things, and I was so fearful that I would miss something. It wasn't until much later in life that I gave my life to Jesus and wanted him to direct my life and let him be be the Lord of my life. And I want to encourage you, if you're in that place right now, that you would present yourself, like Paul says in Romans chapter uh, 8, that he says. That you would present yourself and see what God will do with your life. You, know, you can't call him Lord unless you are his servant. In Romans chapter 12, Paul says, I beg you by the mercies of God that you would present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. He said, this is your reasonable service, that we would present ourselves to him as Lord of our life, not merely Savior. Many years of my life, again, I said that Jesus was not the Lord of my life. Trust him with your life, and you'll never regret that, and see what God will do with someone who is committed to him. Verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it, David says. He's writing such knowledge that God has of him is too wonderful, and thinking on all his mistakes, how he had sinned against God, how he had failed with Bathsheba, how he had Uriah, her husband the Hittite, murdered, he cries out in Psalm 51 about these things. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you've broken may rejoice. And David cries out to the Lord, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. And so David is crying out to the Lord after uh, he, he fell with Bathsheba, do not cast me away from your presence, Lord. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me, Lord, knowing that in spite of his tremendous failures, God still loved him. And Lord, We see that as we fall in some of these things we feel that we can never come to you with. That your love is still everlasting. How can you still love us in the midst of these catastrophes, Lord? This knowledge is too great, David is saying. Maybe you've fallen. Maybe you've taken a catastrophic fall. Haven't even done some damage to your own family. God still loves you and he's still able to restore. He's the God who resurrects the dead. He's the one who brings life back into things that are dead. I believe David is saying, Lord, I don't understand how, it, but I am so grateful that you still love me. I think of the song, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene, and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned and unclean. How marvelous. How wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. David is saying, I know you love me. And that's my question tonight. Do you know this evening, are you convinced that God loves you, even in the most terrible circumstances in your life? God still loves you, no matter your failures. We can be convinced of Jesus' love for us. David goes on to say, Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. And your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. Where can I go from your spirit, Lord? Is there somewhere I can hide from God. Is there somewhere I can flee his presence? And the bigger question really for all of us is why would we want to flee from his presence? God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. He's omniscient. He knows all things. And in midst of that, he still loves us so much. He will pursue you if you try to move away from him. He's the one who never leaves the one behind. I think of the lost sheep recorded in Luke chapter 15. The scripture says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Thank God. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons that need no repentance. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And so Jesus is the one who never leaves the one behind. If you're running from him, he will come after you. If he has begun a good work in you, he will continue that work until the day that he returns. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 speaks of that. You know, when our children were little, we used to read them books. And uh, one of the books we used to read and uh, was a, a book called The Runaway Bunny the runaway bunny. Just a few quotes from that book, and yeah, am I going there? Yes, I am. So just a few quotes from the runaway bunny, because it's what came to my heart in the midst of, you know, Jesus pursuing us. Once there was a bunny who wanted to run away, and so he said to his mother, I'm running away. If you run away, said his mother, I'll run after you, for you are my little bunny. If you run after me, said the little bunny, I will become a fish in a trout stream, and I will swim away from you. If you become a fish in a trout stream, said his mother, I'll become a fisherman, and I will fish for you. Then the little rabbit said, I'll become a sailboat and sail away from you. If you become a sailboat and sail away from me, said his mother, I'll become the wind and blow you where I want you to go. And the little bunny replied, I will become a little boy and run into a house. If you become a little boy and run into a house, said the mother bunny, I will become your mother and catch you in my arms and hug you. There is nowhere that you can go that you will outrun God. And he will continue to pursue you. And he will continue to love you and no matter how bad you fall if you know him as Lord and Savior. This is what David is saying in the midst of the scripture. There is nowhere that I can go from you, Lord. Nowhere that I can flee from your spirit. And God is committed to you, to his everlasting love for you. That means forever, everlasting. If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning. And dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning, it's the word canop or penoff. The rapidity of the moving on of the winds in the morning. Even if I fly away, you're still there, Lord. You dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. God's presence is even there, and that is so wonderful, and that is so comforting to know that God will never give up on you. His love for you is everlasting, and it will not fail. The scripture says that love never fails, and God's love for you will never fail. Even there, your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. Thank you, Lord, for this extravagant love, I think of Jesus, how he says in John chapter 10, the scripture says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them. He knows us. And they follow me. That's our desire, Lord. I thank you that you know us, and in spite of that, you still love us anyway. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. We as believers, we rest in the hands of Jesus and of the Father, and there is nothing that has the ability to take us from them. He's able to keep us and to hold us. Nothing is able to separate us from the love of God, and you can rest in that. You can take comfort in that. If you're soundly saved, you cannot lose your salvation. God protects it. He holds you in his hands. Nothing has the ability, not even the devil himself. Romans chapter 8, the ending of it, speaks of that, that nothing is able to separate you from the love of God. Jesus has given you eternal life. He said you shall never perish even there, Psalm 139, your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold me. Lord, we rest in you and in your Father's hands. We rest the word kana, God creating. He gave us breath. We belong to him. He has he's, he's possessed us. We are one of his possessions. God loves us extravagantly. You formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you and I will fearfully say that I, again, am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. My soul knows very well. The Lord formed our inward parts. And he covered us, the scripture says. Covered me in my mother's womb. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb as Booths used to be raised up, and hedges are made to protect and guard persons and gardens. God protects us. He covers us. His hand is upon us. God has formed us. God protects us, and he covers us. You covered me in my mother's womb. Under the shadow of his wings, I think of of, uh, Moses as he writes Psalm 91. He says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, he abides under the shadow of the Almighty, the protection of God, our protector, The one who loves us. Scripture goes on. David continues to write. He says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, oh God. And that my soul knows very well. We just had our fourth grandson. Uh, Jonathan is his name. And uh, we haven't been able to get down there to Florida to see him in person yet. But certainly we can see him through... uh, you know FaceTime and it's amazing to me when you look at the little fingers and the toes and uh, you know the hands and the eyes and everything is just so you know delicate and uh, God is so precise in his creation it's a wonderful thing I don't know how anyone anyone could look at a baby and not know that you know that there's a God but uh, we had our first fourth grandson and uh, he's fearfully and wonderfully made and uh, you have children you have grandchildren many of you and and how you feel about them. And uh, we were just talking before the service began that, uh, you know, you yearn to see them. I have a son in San Diego and I got a son down in Florida. They're far away. You know, maybe you see them once a year. From going from one, seeing them day by day now to a place where you only see them, you know, once a year or twice a year. You yearn for them. You know, God brought you a gift. You know, he blessed you. The scripture said, behold, children our heritage from the lord the fruit of the womb is a reward a blessing from god and so lord we praise you for that you made us in your image and you given us purposes lord and you created us for your glory we are fearfully and wonderfully made lord no matter what we look like now you know i used to have a lot of hair when i was growing up like down to here but now you know i'm getting older i got less and less hair and uh Put on some pounds, but God still sees me as fearfully and wonderfully made. He still loves me the same. He hasn't changed, and my soul knows very well of his love for me. It is so important for us to know how much God loves us. It is going to be the driving force that, like Paul says, would compel you to want to live for him. My soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written, the days that were fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. The Lord knows them. He knows your days. They're written in his book. Remember what Jesus said. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. Your frame was not hidden from him you're skillfully wrought yeah you're skillfully and fearfully wrought god knows every intricacy of you and of me and david writes your eyes saw my substance before you were formed and in your book all my days were written the days God has fashioned for you and for me. He formed them. He molded them. He's the potter. I think in Jeremiah 18 where he's the potter and we're the clay, that he can take something that's broken and he can make it into something that is good. And he can use it for his glory if we're willing to yield ourselves to him. Such a beautiful thing and the love that God has for us. He's the potter. God molded you, and there's no one quite like you, and maybe someone would say that that's a good thing, you know. There's only one of him. I can only run into him once, you know. I'm not gonna see another one like him. But you know, God only made one you, and there's only one of you. And he delights over us. I think think of the scripture out of Zephaniah. It says, The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will say. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And so God sings over us. If You can imagine that as a father, that God is singing over us. I remember when I grew up and my father had this green little radio. It was on top of our refrigerator. And uh, it was like the Sid Mark uh, show. He loved Frank Sinatra when he sang and we'd hear that in the morning when uh, we hear the singing and I'd hear my dad singing because he was trying to sing with the song that was going on and just imagine him singing God singing over us what an amazing thing huh you know God's not the one standing there with a lightning bolt ready to strike you down when you fall but he's the one that wants to comfort you and encourage you to keep on going Abba sings over you he quiets you with his love he brings peace and silence it's the word "harass" to become still. I think of the Psalm 46 where it says, Be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord has the ability to bring peace, to quiet us with his love. You know, one of the most peaceful places in our house for me is... a uh, beside the two dogs that we have, is to be on the kitchen floor on my knees praying. And there's such a peace that God brings as we cry out to him, that he brings that peace. You know, he's the prince of peace. Do you have peace this evening? Do you have peace this evening? Wherever you're going, are you resting in God's love tonight? Do you trust him? Are you convinced of his love? God wants you to be. He wants you to trust him, to love him, to rest in his love. It's not a surprise when things happen to us. You know, what am I going to do now? Look what happened. I don't have this or I don't have that. This one left me and took off, and I don't know what to do. But God knew. And so you're able to come to him, and you're able to pour out your heart. And in the midst of that, God answers you, and he comforts you, and he loves you. You know, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. In your book, they were all written. The days that were fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. So God knows your days. They're already written in his book. He's formed your days. He's fashioned them. He knows exactly when you'll take your last breath. It will be precisely the moment that God has written for you and for me. A few weeks ago, my wife was visiting her mom, Melba, and Melba, during the visit, fell and. She ended up breaking her hip and needed to have surgery. To replace parts of her hips, so she goes into surgery. The next day during the surgery, she goes into cardiac arrest in the midst of the surgery. Her heart stops beating for some five minutes. Regina and I had been going back and forth every week. We called an adventure with us as a husband and wife at some of the only free time that we have together. But we go up to see the moms. You know, my mom's going to be 95 this year, and, and Melba's 85. And so we go back and forth every Tuesday. We get to the hospital, and are met by the head nurse in ICU, and another nurse together, and their faces look like, you know, this is the end. We go in to see Melba, and after Regina had spoken to her for over half an hour, there was no response or no moving at all. The head nurse says, we're going to cool her body down. We're going to preserve her brain. We saw the look on their faces and that they had given up. You know, they'd given up. And we were overwhelmed. I would say even astonished about the report that we were given because nothing was said about that on the phone. But they had given up. And I just heard the Lord say, it's clearly in my heart, you have their report. You need to hear my report. And God gave us this scripture out of Psalm 139. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me. And when as yet there were none of them. And the Lord spoke into my heart and said, I formed Malba. All of her days were written. Her days were fashioned by me. Her days were numbered by me. And before any of them were lived out, And the Lord spoke to me and said, I have the final say in all of this. the Lord spoke, and we, Regina and I, began to pray the scripture over her. And they told us we had to leave, you know, this area had to be sterile. They were going to put a central line into her neck and to wait in a waiting room. We were there for about an hour. And I said, let me go back and and check to see what is going on. So as I got to Melba's room, I heard voices, people talking, and I thought, who in the world are they talking to? Because we were just there. We heard nothing, no response from her at all. Then I heard one of the male nurses say, stop struggling with us. We're trying to change the folly that you have. So I thought in my heart, this is good. This has to be good. The male nurse popped his head out. He said, this is good, right? He said, yes. We won't have to cool her body down now. She's awake and she feels pain and is trying to get up. And so I ran back to the room where Regina was waiting and the look on her face is just of joy. We prayed again over her, again the Psalms. And the male nurse said to us, that God you prayed to, that God that you prayed to, he heard you. And I said, yes, he hears. And he answers. And God his grace to a miracle that night. And he reminded us that he has the final say. And he numbered Melba's days before she lived out any of them. We praised the Lord all the way home that night. And I cannot say why God chooses to heal some and not others. But I know that that night that we saw a miracle. And we are so thankful for that. And I would encourage you now still to pray for healing because God still does miracles and see what God will do. They said her brain may not function because it was deprived of oxygen for so long. But she has the same memory that she had before she went into that operation. As sure as I'm standing here, that God had brought that back. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. God loves you. He cares about every aspect of your life. You cannot run from him. He will pursue you. Uh, How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. The Lord says to each of us, I know the thoughts that I have toward you. I think in Jeremiah 29, one of my favorite scriptures, whenever we hand out Bibles to people, I always write that. That scripture in for them. For I know the thoughts that I have toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. A good ending. That's God's thoughts to us. God is for you. His love, again, is everlasting toward you. His thoughts toward you are precious. The sum of them is so great, David is writing. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Yesterday we were on the beach. And as an Irishman, that's probably why I'm a little red in the face right now. But just think of all the grains of the sand of the beach, all the thoughts that God has to you. They are more in number than the sand. When I'm awake, I'm still. There's nowhere that you can run from God. You can't run from his spirit. That's what David is saying. Even under great failure that David experienced with Bathsheba, God still loved him. There's nowhere we can run from God. Just like the runaway bunny, God will find you. When I awake, I'm still with you. He's written all our days. They were fashioned by him and how he loves us. Just want to finish tonight in the midst of these some snapshots of Jesus's love for us. Certainly it's not exhaustive because if it were, you know, like John writes at the end of the gospel of john all the books of the world couldn't hold what jesus has done but just a few pictures of his love for you and for me he speaks through the prophet isaiah he says listen to me O house of jacob and all the remnant of the house of israel who have been upheld by me from birth who have been carried from the womb he upholds us the Lord, the Lord your God, again, Zephaniah three seventeen. in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. He sings over us. He has us always in his thoughts. Isaiah, again, chapter 49, verse 15, Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you, God says. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. The Lord does not forget us. He never leaves us or forsakes us. Remember how we started out with the boat? You know how the disciples thought that Jesus didn't know what was going on. They're in the midst of the storm. You know, where are you, Lord? And we can be like that in this life. Where are you, Lord? I'm perishing here. I'm overwhelmed here. Meanwhile, Jesus is right there with us. Lord Jesus made visits to some of the Old Testament saints and even to Gentiles like Hagar. They call that a theophany or a Christophany, and that Jesus' appearance to people in the Old Testament. It really speaks of his love for mankind. Hagar was Abraham's concubine. They came up with that great idea, Abraham and Sarai, about having the concubine help God out so they could have a child. But uh, it didn't work out too well that way. They've been fighting ever since. Um, But Hagar, Abraham's concubine, who would give birth to Ishmael, if you're familiar. Jesus appeared to her. She was not a woman of the covenant, but Jesus still loved her. Genesis chapter 16, verse 6 says, So Abram said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand, Hagar. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Now the angel of the Lord, that's Jesus, found her by the spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring of the way to Shur. He found her. And he said, Jesus speaking, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from? And where are you going, she said. I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. And I think of, you know, Elijah, after he had just uh, cast down all the prophets of Baal, you know, and all of the fire came down from heaven and all, and he goes on the run. He's being chased by a woman, Jezebel. He's on the run now, and he gets to this cave, and he's up in the midst of the cave and all of that, and he hears a voice saying, well, why are you here? Why are you here? And God, Jesus is saying to Hagar, Why, why are you here? The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. And so Jesus appears to a woman, even out of the covenant. Genesis 16:10, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly, so that they shall not be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. Listen, the Lord has heard your affliction. He hears our afflictions. It's not a surprise. He knows what you're going through. Maybe you're under affliction tonight. Maybe that's you, and you don't even want to tell anyone. You know, we often pray on Sunday mornings that we would have... We'd have a word from the Lord for those who come in. We know there are people that are hurting here. We know that. And yet we may not sense it or know it, but the Spirit of God knows it, and so we ask. If you're under affliction, God wants to heal you. God wants to fill you so heavily with his love that you will be healed from that. Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You're the God who sees. For she said, Have I also here seen him who sees me? He's the God who sees. He's the God who hears our affliction. He sees all the things that we're going through. He's the God who sees. He's the God who hears. He's the God of compassion. He's the God who loves us and is able to heal us in the midst of all of our troubles. The Lord hears our afflictions and he comforts us. And Jesus appears to Joshua as the commander of the army of the Lord in Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 through 15, giving Joshua instructions for Jericho. And God desires to do that with us. We can come to him and ask for direction. He'll gladly lead us, right? The scripture says in James, you know, if we lack wisdom, we can come to him and he'll give the wisdom freely to us. He wants to direct our lives. He cares that much about us. He appears to Gideon in Judges chapter 6. Now the angel of the Lord, that's Jesus, he came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord, that's Jesus, appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon just looked and says, who are you talking to? Mighty man of valor. But this is how God saw him. Gideon didn't see himself that way, but God came to build Gideon up. He was about to engage an enemy and to strengthen him and to encourage him. And God will do the same for us. Because Jesus loves us. That was one of the greatest bumper stickers around the the Jesus movement back in the early 70s. There was the bumper sticker that said, Jesus loves you. And I think it just says it all. Jesus loves you. He cares for you. He's not after you to harm you, but he wants to console you and comfort you and build you up and encourage you to, you to keep going on. He's available to us as we face enemies. Circumstances we're unable to overcome. Have you ever been in one of those? You know, I've seen a few of those where I was, Lord, I can't, I, I don't know what to do here, you know. My, but I, I remember like in the Chronicles, how you know, that's what happened with uh as they were they were surrounded, and uh they yeah. just said, you know what, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are fixed on you, Jesus. Our eyes are fixed on you. God is available to us, and he's there to encourage and build us up and love us and to heal us and to prepare us to be able to go out and be a strong witness for him in this world. Jesus is available. Sometimes we forget him. I think of how he spoke into Jairus's life after being told his daughter was dead. They came to him with the message, your daughter is dead. And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken... Immediately he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And we know what happened, how Jesus raised Jairus' daughter. You don't have to be afraid, Jesus is saying to Jairus. Only believe in me. Don't listen to the other reports that are coming in. You just come to me and listen to what I have to say. How Jesus, full of compassion, raised the widow of Nain's son in Luke chapter 7. The scripture says, When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. He's the resurrection and the life. He's able to raise up dead things. He's able to raise up dead marriages. He's able to raise raise up dead relationships and families and children who may not want to ever see you again. He's able to raise that back up. He's the resurrection and the life. I think of the woman caught in adultery, how he defended her, how he ministered to her. Is there anyone left or is going to condemn you? Neither do I, he says. How he stood out front of the disciples when they came to arrest him in John 18. Jesus answered, I've told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these other go their way. You know, love places others first. Philippians chapter 2. Love protects. He's our banner. Jesus is now all these things for us. His greatest expression of his love. We know the scriptures out of Isaiah 53. God's word says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He carries our sorrows. He carries our grief so that we don't have to. He was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised or crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement. For our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. There's healing in Jesus for us. There's healing. There's no doubt that Jesus loves us. He gave his life for us. He demonstrated it on a cross. That's what Romans five says. That even though we were sinners, when we were sinners, Christ died for us. When we were at our worst, right? When I was a drug addict, when I was a lunatic out there snubbing my nose at God, drinking drinks and doing everything that I possibly could to commit sin, God still loved me. And that is an amazing fact. There's no doubt that Jesus loves you. This life can be so hard at times. We can be overwhelmed at times. Facing trials that are so painful. We cannot even talk about it to others. We wouldn't even mention it to our brothers or sisters that we are going through such pain. Maybe we have a lost son or a daughter who no longer wants anything to do with us. We meet them out often when we minister to the homeless people. They don't want anything to do with those people because they're drug addicts and they're drunkens. And, but it doesn't take the pain away from a father or a mother that are out in the field now. We cry out to God in the midst of our pain. Maybe you've lost a spouse, even a child who has died. Maybe there's been a betrayal even in your marriage. These are extremely painful things. that Only the love of God can heal. And I want to say this evening, Jesus knows and understands all of that pain. He wants you to come to him. Remember Psalm 139 verse 3, you comprehend my path, you know my path, you know my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Oh, how he loves us. You want to ask Tommy to come and play a final worship song as we close this evening, but God loves you. And I pray that in the midst of this teaching, that God would God spoke to your heart. And the Lord loves you and wants to heal you of the pain that you're carrying around with you, the pain that you weren't even able to tell the brother or sister in Christ even here. As we worship, I would encourage you to lift your eyes toward heaven and ask him to heal you through his love. There's no love like his. It's not of this world. It's a supernatural agape love. Finally, can I finish with this? God is able to redeem the pain that you went through. Maybe it's the pain that you're going through right now. God's able to redeem that pain. It's extremely hard, but if you're willing to yield yourself to him, if you're willing to say, Lord, you know, I put this pain in your hands, you've experienced, that, and use it to comfort others, Lord. He'll use it for his glory. He's able to redeem that thing that was so painful for you to be able to minister to others. He's able to heal that pain in the midst of his outpouring of his love. Jesus was acquainted with grief. He was a man of sorrows. He knows betrayal quite well. You can give your pain to him. And you can let his love heal you. Offer it to the Lord. You know, Lord, I don't know how to do this. This hurts me so much, Lord. But I ask that you would fill me with your love. You would enable me. You would redeem this for your glory.